Well, hey, everybody, welcome to Conviction, where we feel a conviction to discuss questions and topics surrounding church culture, ministry, and just general life as a Jesus follower. My name is Parker. And I'm Caleb. And this week, the topic that we are kicking off with is the question, what should sharing our faith look like? Caleb, do you have some beginning thoughts to start us off with? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think... This is a question that I've been pondering and working through for quite some time, just of like, what does it look like to share our faith, you know, within the church right now, like one of the most prominent distinctions or like distinguishing names that people give a lot of churches is evangelical, which is basically like a lot of people like now politicize the term, but it was just like this idea that Christians of a certain grouping care about evangelism they are an evangelical church like that's a core principle and practice is they want to evangelize that sort of thing a good thing you know the greatest uh not the greatest the great commission is this idea of jesus looking and saying go into all the world and make disciples and all of these different things you know go share your faith help people to follow follow me baptize them all of these things and so for us as believers there's a reality that we have to wrestle with. What does it look like to actually share my faith? Is it taking a touch card for a sermon series or taking a, a door hanger for Easter and giving it to my neighbors or having a, a mailer that goes out? Is it is it even me serving within my church? Like really when it comes to evangelism, that's even why I'm glad we're using For our starting question, not what does evangelism look like, but what does sharing my faith look like? Because actually, just to really fast throw a notion out the door, evangelism at the heart of it needs to be us sharing our faith. So if we're starting on that kind of bedrock, that is our foundation point, that this is what we mean, that we are speaking about what evangelism on a personal level looks like, and how does that then look like us sharing our faith. And I think in some ways when it comes to sharing our faith, we have construed, I think that's the way you would say that, confounded. We've mixed up what it looks like to invite someone to something with sharing our faith. You know, looking at uh, in Revelation, it speaks of those who overcome the enemy. It says that they overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And for myself, that is a very core verse section that I hold on to very often is this idea that we do not just overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb. If you're a part of our youth ministry, um, Parker, you and Matthias included, uh, got to listen for, I believe it ended up being five weeks of us talking on this idea of overcome through the blood of the lamb, word of the testimony, this idea that Jesus looks and he gave us a juxtaposition. He looked and he said, not only do you overcome by my blood, which I think oftentimes we stop there. We stop at the salvific work of Jesus on the cross the salvation work, you know, the saving work, that sort of a thing. Big words. And uh, sorry, I'm not, I'm not trying to like intentionally okay. do that. But we end up having Google this that. like great work of Jesus dying and rising again. But then we have to realize that he looks and he says, hey, you might be saved through that, but you haven't overcome the world yet. How would you overcome it? By sharing your faith, sharing your story by the testimony of what Jesus has done. So I would say that's a that's a starting point for myself in this conversation. Why does this conversation matter? Because for a believer to truly step into what Jesus has called them to be, not do, not action, this is what we are to be, to be what we're called to be, we must share our faith and talk about it and that sort of a thing. Um, 
what are some of the, the starting points for you when it comes to this conversation? I think for me, I think the way I've thought about sharing my faith, I've, I'm a very like linear thinker I've come to realize. And I tend to try to break things down into categories and I'm a very flow charty thinker. Um, to me, there's two different categories. There's active mm. and there's passive. Um, active being you're intentionally going in and seeking out conversations with people and intentionally pursuing those conversations and actively sharing your faith with people. Then there's the approach of passively sharing your faith, which um, could look like um, just living out your faith and acting and talking and thinking like Jesus would and letting um, those fruits of the spirit show and letting those uh, conversations happen organically is kind of how I think of those two different approaches. There's active and there's passive. I think for me, I have felt really challenged um, recently and just in, in general throughout my life where I feel like I've um, tended to take the more passive approach and I'm kind of wrestling through is there, is doing, doing it that way wrong? Because on one way, like the reason why I've tended to, I've erred more towards that side for me is that I have felt that the active uh, approach for some, and I have done that a couple times has sometimes, and maybe it's just me, it very, could very well just be me and how I'm handling those conversations can come across confrontational to people. And I think, that um, can kind of push people away sometimes. And I think that, um, yeah. And so that that's one of the reasons why I've, why I've kind of tended to err towards the passive side. That being said, though, you have way more conversations with people um, about your faith and stuff like that. Um, so there's that, there's the pros and cons of that where you have more conversation with people, but you, at least for me in my experience, it can come across very confrontational. And totally. I'm, I'm kind of, and like I said, I think it's probably just my problem, but um, I'm sure people can resonate with that too. But um, where I just feel like I'm a pretty confrontational person and I can come across bluntly sometimes. Um, but the other side of it, the passive approach, it it is more organic in terms of like theoretically, like if we're, following Jesus as we should and letting the fruits of the spirit show as we should. Like the Bible says it should be evident Mm -hmm. that we're Christ followers and that people should know us by our love. That being said, I think for me, sometimes it has been a, what's the word? An excuse. Yeah. I guess sometimes in my life where I feel like it's just a cop out sometimes where it's just that I don't want to have those active conversations totally. with people and pursue them. So I think, um, yeah, I think that's kind of some of my beginning thoughts. Yeah. You know, I think, I think the pathway of active versus passive is a really interesting one to explore in this conversation because most people would say that passive matters. If they don't, then they probably don't care about how they are living for Jesus. In that meaning, you have some people who might approach faith and they say, I'm covered by grace. I'm good. Don't care how I talk. 
don't care how I act, but I know that Jesus has saved me. Like that kind of an approach of like the way I live does not matter. It's all on Jesus. Like that kind of an ideal. Now, if you approach faith from that standpoint, um, then you probably have like wrestlings of thinking like that James and Paul contradict each other in that Paul looks and says, Hey, you're saved by grace. But then James looks and he says that, you know, you can show me your, you can say that you're a believer, but in short, if you do not have works to back it up, can you really say you're a believer? That sort of a thing now, which is not to then say that we're saved through our works, but is to say, if you have truly received the gift of grace, it changes who you are because to recognize that gift is to then steward that gift and to say, I want to acknowledge that gift and what it's done, that kind of a thing. And so I would say the passive route of representing our faith should always be evident, Yeah, should always be there and should never not be a present action that we are seeking to do as Christians. You know, there should be spaces we allow ourselves to be in where we do not feel this. We should never feel a necessity to be perfect. And also we should have spaces, you know, for myself as, um, for myself as a a youth pastor, that sort of a thing. Um, it's nice to have settings I can go to where I'm not living immorally in them, but I'm not having to worry about, Hey, I'm wearing the pastor hat right now. That kind of a thing. Um, you know, I can speak a bit more freely. I can kind of express some thoughts. I can process some things, things like that. That's a good thing to have. I'm still very much so wanting to represent Christ in those moments though. I'm not looking and saying, man, got a weekend with the boys. Let's just go wild, do whatever, talk however, consume whatever, all that stuff. But it's actually looking and saying, no, like that, you know, freedom of a moment is not an excuse to not represent Jesus in the midst of that moment still. So I would say that's very vital. But I also will say, I think the active portion of it, something that I've always felt a strong conviction about is if all of us took the active nature of faith as essential, how quickly could we help see the world change for Jesus? Not meaning like politically, not meaning necessarily like seeing everybody be saved, but the like the the representation of the hands and feet of Jesus be truly represented well. If people looked and just said, "My faith actively matters," like you know, if you had uh, this is a silly example that goes through my head pretty often is. You go to a grocery store and if by the end of the day, the grocery store clerk is like, holy cow, I like seven Christians come through and they all looked at me and said, Hey, really quick, man, just want you to know I'm praying for you when I drive home. Like it might seem weird, but it's weird because it's different and the world is jacked up. So it's okay if we look different and that we care. Like imagine if you had that same thing where you have that, that clerk at your grocery store and they look in the next week, those same seven people come back and they look and they say, Hey, I was praying for you this week. You know, you said you were having a bad day last week. How's this week been? I'm praying that you'd have a better week. And like that active representation, just helping somebody to see like, there's something different here. Right. You know, and even when it comes to the sharing of our faith, you know, one of the things for myself that I've really wrestled with is like, there's, there's, you know, apologetics, right? I think apologetics are a very good thing. They're a very important thing. They're a very great resource and tool. 
I think sometimes we've looked at them and said, this is the A grade gold standard rather than this is like that. Like uh, if you're ever working on a car and you have like a wrench set, you have like a breaker bar. You don't pull out the breaker bar the first time you go to like work on like a bolt. Like you go in and you try to do it and you're like, this thing is just stuck there. I'm going to grab the breaker bar so I can get more leverage and I can really work on this thing, right? A lot of times when Christians get serious about active natures of sharing their faith, they pull out the breaker bar and they're like, I'm just going to, I'm going to wrench you out until you give in, right? And I think there's times that we could look and say, man, what does actively sharing my faith look like? I think it looks a whole lot more like sharing our story yeah, and being more caring of that. And then you might have somebody who looks and says, dude, I just really struggle. How could this Jesus guy be God and man? Great. Let's, let's lean into some of these good apologies. Hey, I really struggle with, with how could God be a creator and how could he have created? Great. Let's lean into this. But again, it's kind of that supplement. You know, it's that thing of looking and saying, okay, I see how you're bound up here. Let me help out but it might not be the initial thing. What, what do you think on some of that? Yeah, I think I am somebody that I've, when I was younger in like, in terms of like my middle school, high school age time, like I really focused on apologetics. And I, I think sometimes that like, that may be why I had some of those interactions with folks where I came across confrontational. And I think there is a, aspect to it that I thought that sharing my faith was a matter of convincing the other person mm. that I was right mm. or that this was the right. And why are, why are you thinking this way? And I think that like, um, I think as I've gotten older, not that I'm crazy old or anything, I'm 22 years old, but um, I've just come to realize that it, the apologetics I think personally in most scenarios, you know, there's, there's forms of like during times of debate, like formal debate where that makes total sense. But most organic conversations, apologetics, I think should be studied, but should be used in terms of like the, I think it's, I think it's in first Peter where he talks about that. We should always be ready with answers yeah, and that we should always be ready to defend our faith. But I think that should be a, like not defensive necessarily, but a reactive thing, I guess, where somebody comes and asks us a question and then we respond. And I think that, um, I took the approach of being active with it in the first place. Totally. I mean, look at, you know, you look at the life of Jesus and Jesus's responses to people were based upon their questions. Yeah. Or were, ba- I mean, again, he's the son of God and, and fully empowered by the Holy Spirit walking in perfect alignment with him. And so he looks and he's like, I know the thoughts in their head. And he ends up speaking to like those doubts or those questions or things like that. And oftentimes we walk in, you know, again, and uh, I, I don't say this to fully knock, but like, you know, there's times where a lot of stuff within evangelism comes across as like jerks for Jesus, right? Like, yeah. When uh, you go to a major sporting event and you end up walking out and there's people with like the really big signs. And again, there's people who are, uh, do those people love Jesus? I would say I would think the majority of them do. That's sort of a thing. And they have a conviction. They're trying to help see people saved, hopefully that sort of a thing. But it can come across that has 
turn from your ways. You're going to burn. I'm trying to kind of just like get you a little bit scared to realize the severity of it. And then that person would look and they would probably say something along the lines of like, no, like they need to realize the gravity of it. So like it's this thing of like finding the right playing field. But also I think there's just a reality. Like we all, all oftentimes I think, put ourselves in too important of a position when it comes to sharing our faith and that sort of a thing. Like we look and say, if I nail this conversation, if I nail this interaction, their lives going to be changed forever. And that could happen, but we have to trust and believe that the Holy Spirit is going ahead of us. You know, even like one of these things, I'm a very big, um, believer in like daily prayers that are that can be important for us and things like that you know me and my wife we have prayers that we say every single night that cover a variety of things and i have a conviction and it's not out of religious tradition of saying like if i don't say these something bad will happen but it's me saying if i say these things i believe god wants to intervene in these areas and that sort of a thing and so in the same way you know i wonder if as believers we all woke up in the morning and we actually say Jesus, Holy Spirit, will you lead me today to somebody that I can share my faith with? And like just walking with that purpose, you know, walking with that intentionality. And there's oftentimes, again, like we'll look at people who are in other countries, who are in other places, who have gone before us, who are maybe older in their faith now and that sort of a thing. And we'll look and say, wow, look at the crazy ministries they've gotten to have have happened. You know, look at the amazing stories they can tell of moments of sharing their faith and seeing somebody saved and seeing the fruit of that. The reality is I personally think that that came from a place of them just saying this matters and it has to be at the forefront of what I am doing, which is not to say that others are actively saying that sharing their faith does not matter, but there is a point that our actions do need to follow up what we say does matter, if that makes sense. Yeah, I totally agree. I agree with like, I feel like we take too much ownership slash responsibility sometimes for like, I don't know, like I feel like, I was going to say like, I feel like we take too much ownership and responsibility for the salvation of others. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Remember people that I'm thinking as I'm talking, but Like, um, I do think that obviously we should have a heart for the lost and we should have a heart for sharing our faith and for, um, all those things. But I, like I was reading through the, um, the parable of the, forget how it's titled exactly, but the, the four soils, the parable parable of four, four soils and how, I just was kind of convicted of like that there are these four different situations. This, the, the farmer sowed the seed all the same throughout all of them. Each of those scenarios ended up very different and not really because of the farmer necessarily. And so I, it just kind of reminded me of that. Like, I think it's our job to actively share those share our, I think the, probably the most effective way is just to share our story, mm-hmm. but, um, but not to put too much ownership 
on what the end goal is. I think we should obviously try to cultivate those relationships and we should really try to steward those relationships and steward those seeds. But at the same time, at the end of the day, it is between that person and God at the end of the day. Totally. And I think that, um, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think of that? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think who was it? Uh, J.J. Vasquez, um, who's a pastor in Florida, I believe outside of Orlando, he was at a conference I was at recently, and he was telling a story of him and his wife talking, and basically, uh, in short, not doing the story justice, but in short, he had a Sunday morning that he felt like he just bombed a message, and uh, his wife looked to him, and I believe this was kind of the way she worded it, was, uh, you know, oh, honey, like, you're important, but you're not that important. Right. And then also, I believe it was him that said this similar sentiment of if we're willing to take the blame, we're willing to take the glory. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of times when it comes to stepping out that we look and we are so quick to take the blame. We're right. so quick to say, look, I messed up. Hey, look, I did this wrong. Hey, look, I didn't do this. But at the same time, then if something amazing happens, we're willing to look and say, I stepped out. It's like, well, that's cool. You stepped out. Jesus moved and Jesus worked. Um, And I think that's the thing that should give us a place of pause Mm -hmm. and a place of, I would say, comfort, but also does not mean it is an excuse to not step out. You know, at the end of the day, we could look at, you could look at the story of Paul who ends up going out, plants all these churches, writes uh, book-wise the the bulk of the New Testament. Fun fact, I think this is a right fun fact, Luke wrote the bulk of the words in the New Testament. Little 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 thing to know, because the Gospel of Luke's really long, so is the book of Acts. You guys don't probably care, but in case you do, little Bible trivia question. Um, but in terms of Paul's story, he does not have the story he has without, I believe his name is Ananias, stepping out and actually going and meeting with him and praying for him and ministering to him and following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And what was Ananias' prayer? It's just like, I want to be obedient. I want to go where you call me to go. And God's like, go go to Saul. And he's like, he might want to kill me. And God's like, I, I do not care. I've called you to do something. Go do it. And like, man, we, we won't share our faith because somebody might say we're stupid. Right. And like, not to diminish that, but that's pretty silly. And like, I say that to myself as well. Like there are times I step into things I, I had for probably two and a half years. If I was on a flight or if I was at a coffee shop or I was just in a random place. And somebody I did not know looked at me and said, hey, what do you do? I would say, oh, I work construction. So I would say that as if that was my primary job. And I would say, oh, and I work with youth. You know, just want to help kids. And like, it was such a dumb answer. And a couple of the times the conversations got redeemed to where like the person's up asking, well, how do you work with youth? And then I would say, well, I'm a youth pastor, you know, that sort of a thing. But 
I didn't want to say I was a pastor because I didn't want them to judge me. Like, I didn't want there to be a presumption about me. Yeah, totally. And that's a silly thing. I'm getting off the flight in an hour, hour and a half, not going to see the person again. What if me telling them I'm a youth pastor, what if they had, what if they grew up with a terrible impression of pastors and I got to have a redemptive conversation? Like there's things like that where it's like, we look and we're just like, I don't want them to judge. Hey, what's the worst thing you could, even if somebody said active sharing of my faith is looking for an opportunity to tell somebody how God answered a prayer in my life and me telling them I'm going to pray and believe God's going to answer theirs. Like, those types of things can be so like if you have somebody you encounter, you know, let's say it's a, a barista. We'll just do like the very church setting thing of like you're at a coffee shop, you know, with a couple friends. You're getting coffee and having Bible study. Uh, maybe you're not having Bible study. Cause let's be real. People say they are, but they just get together and chat. So like you get together, you're talking, you're talking to your barista and your barista says, uh, you say, hey, how's it going? And they say, oh, I'm doing pretty good. It's going to be a long day, though. And then maybe they mention, like, I got kind of a headache, too. It's just a bummer of a day. Is like, if you just looked and you just said, hey, you know, and again, not making something up. Let's say you've had an experience where God's healed a headache of yours. Or you've had somebody pray for you and then your day was easier. Or you've prayed for somebody and see a headache healed. Or you know what, actually, how about this? We just believe the Bible says God heals. So even if your experience hasn't been with it, we believe scripture and what it says. So you look at that person and you say, hey, I'm so sorry about that. I just want you to know when I get over to my table, I'm going to pray for you really quick that God's going to take away your headache. And I'm really going to be praying you have a great work day. I'm sorry that you have a headache right now though. And again, the person might look at you and say, that's weird. And they might look at you and in their head be like, I don't want you to pray for me, but guess what? It doesn't matter. You've helped express that. You've helped share that. You weren't rude to them. Maybe their co- your coffee took longer to get out. You're not being a jerk to them. You grab it. You go sit down. And maybe when you're going to leave, you could say, hey, how's your headache feeling? And maybe it's not feeling better. It's not on you. It's not on you to be the one that healed them. Now, I use that as an example because I think that's a really easy way to be active in our faith is just the simple thing of, hey, I'm going to pray for you, you know, and that sort of a thing. Um, yeah, what do you what do you think of that? Yeah, I think that um, I've always said that, and I've tried to um, implement this in in my conversations with people. Um, and really, I need to do a better job of extending past it. But um, working in youth and stuff, one really common question that I've had students ask me is, "How do you feel? Get comfortable? Like, how do you get comfortable talking about faith and stuff with other people?" other people, their age, et cetera. And one of the things I've always said to them is like, just start talking about just your life in the church. Like just make it a normal topic of conversation to start off with. You don't need to go, you don't need to go outright preaching and just like going at it. There's nothing wrong with that. But like, um, you don't need to necessarily to begin with, especially with your, the people you interact with on a regular basis. Like I, there was a period, like probably a couple of years where like I was reluctant to talk about, you know, um, that I went to church and I was reluctant to talk about that side of my life, even though it really was like maybe like 70% of what my life consisted of. And I'd like bounce around it in conversations and not really acknowledge it when like the, a really easy step 
to starting those conversations organically is just being open and talking about like, like, let's say like one scenario was like I was in a class at college and somebody asked how, how your weekend was or work and somebody asked how your weekend was and you just talk about, you know, just the stuff that happened at church and stuff like that. That's really easy, a really easy way to start that. Um, and then from there, you know, at that point it, you can slowly develop, you know, them just being comfortable talking about that stuff. Totally. You know, like that's even with, again, in the youth context, but also just within a general church context. Yeah. It's just like, talk about the fact you go to church, wear a church sweatshirt, wear a church t-shirt. Yeah. You know, like I, it's like, it's super cheesy. Those aren't sold for a profit. Maybe at some places they are, but in our context, they're not. No, no. Like, and I mean, yeah, it's a, and it literally is just a kind of a mental wall of just, you don't want people. I think the way you put it of like, you don't want people to make assumptions about you is a really, I think that's what it boils down to the most. I think at least for me, it is just cause the reality is there are some like negative connotations with Christians and stuff like that. Oh, totally. And like, you don't want people to associate you with that. That being said, you have a chance to, you know, redefine that for them in your, in, in your interactions with them. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, even this is a, uh, this is, I keep saying silly example. I need to stop saying that, but this is a silly example is, uh, with like the sweatshirt thing. I went one night I was going, I went to Cabela's near us and when I was like checking out and that sort of a thing, I was wearing a sweatshirt from our church that says our vision statement, which is just uh, live, love, lead. And then like the after phrase would be to say, we want to live, love and lead like Jesus. And so I was wearing that sweatshirt and I'm in the cash register line or whatever. I'm getting checked out. And the person who's ringing up my stuff looks across and they look and they say, oh, like, they're like, oh, kind of like live, laugh, love. And I was like, yeah, you know, kind of like that. And I did take a second. I said, yeah, it's a sweatshirt for my church. This is kind of our vision statement for the year. We just want to live, love, and lead like Jesus. And the person looked at me and they were like, oh, like what church do you go to? And I was like, oh, I go to Bethany Christian Assembly up in Everett. And they look at me and they say, I've been there before. And they're like, I haven't gone to church for like two years. And they're like, I should maybe go back. And like, Again, we could look at it and we can say, well, does little stuff like that really matter? And I don't know if she's come back to service. I, I'm up in youth, all this stuff. I don't know if I've ran into her. I don't know if I've seen her. I, I would know if I ran into her. I haven't seen her, that sort of a thing. But that interaction might spur on an interaction a couple months from now where she finally looks and says, I remember that live, love, lead guy that I talked to. Like that made me think. And like, again, we could say, well, that doesn't really matter. It can if you let it. You know, if we let it be something that matters, if we let it be something like I could have very easily and I almost in that moment looked and said, yeah, I like the sweatshirt. And then you're just kind of like, bye. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Yeah. Like I was telling somebody the other day, like our youth ministry, we have a our, our mission statement is Jesus people church. We exist to make Jesus known, love people like he does and see the kingdom of God come and to build the kingdom of God through the local church. Sorry, it's late at night. Um, 
I'm forgetting our home vision statement, but we have sweatshirts that have Jesus people church on the back. Our church just really likes three word vision statements right now. But, uh, I was, I like, wouldn't wear it to the gym actively, actively was like, I'd have it where like all my other sweatshirts are dirty and I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm the youth pastor and I'm not wearing this to the gym. And why am I not? Because I don't want somebody to look at me and be like, Oh, look at that Jesus guy. What's going on. And I literally had it where, uh, one of our parents was talking about how they were wearing theirs at like a gym. And I literally looked at them and said, Hey, I'm going to wear mine tomorrow. I'll text you when I do. It was a silly thing, but it was a, it was a thing for me of having to look and say, just cause I'm a pastor doesn't mean I can't represent this in other moments and like step out within that. Um, so yeah, that's even an active way represent our yeah. faith and yeah. then don't be a jerk at the gym. <laughs> like that matters. Well, just in general too. Don't be flipping people off in traffic too. And do the- Oh my goodness. Like what is that fish symbol called? Oh, the G. Oh, uh, those people are the worst in traffic. Crap. What They're is it called? I forget what it's called. I forget, but you, y'all know what I'm talking about. I almost about. said Eucharist. And that's a, that's, that's communion. <laughs> no, but just like, yeah, I think that, um, yeah, I've struggled with the, it's a super silly example, not to imitate Caleb, but, uh, it's a super silly example of just like, I even, even now, like I'm wearing that, that Jesus people church, uh, one of those sweatshirts right now. And, uh, I still even like, especially in when I'm at work, I struggle to wear, I, at work, we have a pretty, um, relaxed dress code. We don't really even have a dress code really. Um, but just wear clothes. Yeah. But like part of my job is I do go to, you know, high end consulting firms in downtown Seattle and stuff where it is more of a professional feel. And sometimes like it's especially in those scenarios where I feel very like I've caught myself sometimes where I'll wear the sweatshirt, but I'll make sure I have a rain jacket over it type of thing just so that it's not as obvious. And it sucks to say that, but like, I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's always, it's like, it's a super silly example, but it's kind of a hard check at the same time because it's like, how comfortable are you with people seeing that side of you? Totally. And I think that's where, honestly, this is a really, this is a very honest conversation. I think that probably for some people listening to this, you have something you could think of where you're like, yeah, I didn't wear that. Or yeah, I haven't put a Jesus fish on my car, which again, doesn't matter. Not necessarily, but you're like, I'm not going to do that. Why? Cause I know that I'm going to probably flip somebody off driving at some point. I don't want to misrepresent. Not Christ. that all you guys are bad drivers, but, but like there's a reality for us that we have to wrestle with some of this stuff where it's like, Hey, like, Sharing your faith. I think that actively we as believers should pray for a hunger, a conviction, and a desire to be sharing our faith actively with people at an increasing rate. So like for some people that might look like saying, hey, I'm going to try to share my story about something Jesus did in my life with somebody at least one time this month. That would be a huge step for them. But then after you've done it that one time that month, okay, every week I'm going to try to share Okay, every day I'm going to try to share. And you're just building this spot where you're just saying, I just want to keep having a passion, a hunger, a desire to share the good news of Jesus with people by sharing my story. And for some people, that might look like saying, hey, where 
a Christian based thing, which doesn't have to mean that you're wearing necessarily like Christian graphic tees that have all these sayings on them and stuff, but it might be you wearing something for your church. It might be you posting about something at your church. Like what is going to stretch you to actually share your faith and ultimately getting to that point where you're looking and saying, I am doing this to get to the spot where I will share my story. I'll share my testimony. Cause when you start to share your story, There's two things that happen that are pretty scary, I think, within it, but they're good things. The first thing is your story no longer has control of you. Oftentimes, we don't want to share our story. We don't want to share our faith because we don't want people to realize and recognize that there was change that was supposed to come out of it. Like if we're afraid to share about past struggle, about past issues, about past things, it's oftentimes because we're scared of that thing that's behind us. And if we share that thing and we're not actually through it, now you look like a hypocrite. Now you look like you've done something wrong. Now you look like Jesus hasn't really done something. But when you're willing to look and you're willing to say, hey, my name is insert whatever, and I had this problem. I had this thing. I dealt with this and Jesus brought me through it. You're looking at your story and saying, I own you. You don't own me. I've overcome that thing. I can talk about that. I can address that. And like, I think there's for some people, honestly, there's times I've heard people say sentiments like, you know, hey, like show people the scars, don't show them the wounds, like that kind of a thing. Like don't show them the stuff that's open. Sometimes the last step of closing a wound though is actually like talking about it, addressing it, pointing to it, saying, see this thing, see this thing that just happened. It's not a thing anymore. I'm done with it. I'm through it. And that might be the moment it becomes a scar if we're using that analogy, right? And so like when it comes to sharing our faith, we need to be stretching ourselves to do that. But we also then have to be looking to say, God, how can I be actively a part of seeing people come to know you? Yeah. I think also for in terms of sharing our stories, one thing that I've been thinking about a lot recently is that especially for somebody like me that I have not I have not been somebody realistically that has taken the active approach a lot in my life. And I know that's an area that I need to grow in personally. Because of that, I have not really like actively shared slash recounted my story very much. And one of the things I've started to think about is like, I haven't reflected on my story very much at all, which most people haven't. No. And honestly, I don't remember a lot of it, which is kind of sad. And so I've had to take some time recently where I just sit and just try to remember. And for me, like I have a bunch, I, I, I'm not a super like religious journaler in terms of like or regimented journaler in terms of that I don't journal every single day or anything like that but I keep my journals and I do pray like I I do lots of different things I write down thoughts or I'll write down prayers physically um and I keep those or sermon notes or whatever and I've kept those journals and looking back at those has been really helpful but even just trying to sit down and just start remembering what God has done in my life is, has been a really big step. I think for me in terms of even being ready to share my story and share my faith, because if you can't like, if you can't sum up your testimony and communicate it in an effective way slash not effective, but like genuine way, um, it's not going to be, it's, it's not going to do the job that it was intended, I guess. And so 
um, even just one step that I can think of when you're starting that or wherever you are in terms of that, like taking time to remember what God has done in your life is a super big step. And that's even goes back to like, that's what Passover was about. There's or Pentecost, I think, right? There's uh, there's yeah, a lots Pente- of there's lots of things in Jewish tradition that was literally all about just remembering what God's done. Yeah, all the festivals. Yeah, yeah. So, I think that's one pretty applicable step for anybody. Totally, and I think like when it comes to our stories and things like that, like there's different levels of relationship. Um, I was wrestling with this the other day and I was telling Sierra this, I was like, you know, within my circle of friends right now, within, uh, even our church staff, things like that, very few people know like the depth of like my story in a lot of ways, like that sort of a thing where it's like, Hey, here's all the crud I've walked through. Here's all the pain I've caused. Here's all the pain I've accrued and had done to me and that sort of a thing. And here's what Jesus has done in light of it. And there's a reality sometimes I think like within the church, we don't always invite within our own communities, a full transparency that is received that is allowing somebody to be open about it. But like within a non-believer's circle that sort of a thing like if you're having somebody you're wanting to share with i think that's where it's looking to say god like again you know it's like that holy spirit leading of it of saying you know lord help me to have discernment like what part of my story should i share now lord what part should i be able to speak to um holy spirit help me to remember in a moment you know like i'm very much so a believer of you know there's moments that the holy spirit wants to give us those words of knowledge words of wisdom where we're able to look to somebody and we're able to say hey i don't know if this really applies but in my life i walked through this in a season and i just want you to know jesus got me through it and i think he wants to help get you through some things right now things like that where the holy spirit's going to help lead and guide us but also i think it's very healthy for us as individuals and also very healthy for the other person seeking Jesus. If you're able to find those times where maybe you look at somebody and again, it might seem odd. It might seem weird, but you just look and you say, I've told you about Jesus before and how I love Jesus. Do you got an hour? Cause I just want you to know all he's done in my life and it might do something for you. It might not. At the end of the day, you'll know me a little bit better. And like having those opportunities, I remember in college, my, I think it was my freshman year, uh, there were some people from my hall. We sat down one night and we were all talking through our stories and stuff. And that's probably the last time where I think for like two hours went through and just like told my story up until that point and like talked through all of the stuff and all these things. And like, I'm not super close to a lot of those people now, but there is a closeness and nearness that happened in that moment of like, hey, we really have an understanding of each other in some ways and things like that. And in that, I think we don't have to view it though as that all the time. Like for me to share my faith, I have to sit down for two hours with somebody, but it might mean that you'd be willing to sit down with them for at least five minutes, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, ultimately trust the Holy Spirit again is just going to lead because there's all these different things. You know, I think about it with, I have friends who come from church backgrounds. I have friends who don't. I have friends who um, at this point probably would say they hate God, hate religious establishment, all that stuff. Do one of the statements that I think right now we're going to have to fight against a lot 
is people that say, Hey, you know, I just don't like organized religion. Um, and that sort of a thing. And it's just like, Hey, like, sorry, but Jesus organized it. He's the one that looked and said, Hey, be my hands and feet. You're my bride, the church, like collectively organize yourselves. It matters for us to be together. Um, cause again, it's countercultural in some ways, you know, you look at Western society, we want to be individualistic. So like you're looking to people even, and how do you share your faith with somebody? It's like, Hey, there's something greater you've been called to be a part of. And if you follow Jesus, it's not just you and Jesus. It's not just you and him. It's actually you, him, and all of us together. And we're people, so we're messed up. And like even leading with that, we make the sales pitch always like so, so good. And sometimes we make it where it feels like sharing our faith has to be a sales pitch to where it's so good that it's not what Jesus promised. Like we look and say, give your life to Jesus. He's going to make your life great. He's going to free you of everything and all that stuff. And the person ends up accepting him. And they're like, I'm still an alcoholic and it's Monday. And it's like, well, he's walking with you through it now. You got people that want to walk with you through it now, right? We we oftentimes, uh, dude, this is a weird way to word it, but I kind of like this idea. Uh, oftentimes we're willing to lead people to the shower to get cleaned up, but we're not willing to walk with them through the mess that involves getting clean. Like, and again, it's a very kind of gritty example, like this idea of like, you're literally helping somebody who can't even like clean themselves. Like you're saying, I'm going to help you. We don't like to do that. So we lead people to a shower oftentimes and we're walking them by their hand. And then we say, do it yourself now. I'm done. I said the prayer with you. I got you to church. My job is done. And it's like, no, sharing our faith is them being the hands and feet also, uh, along the way. Yeah, Totally. So I would think, do you have, do you have anything else you want to throw out there? Uh, I have some stuff I could say different tangents we can go on. I mean, I think, um, we kind of mentioned this in a, I forget if this is a podcast we've released yet, but, um, we had a previous conversation where we talked about, um, is it the church's role to, like, like, is it, is, is the ownership of evangelizing, should that belong and be solely on the shoulders of the congregation and each individual person? Or is it the church's responsibility to be that evangelical center where we just have to bring our people to? Yeah. The one-stop shop. Yeah. The one-stop shop. And it, yeah, it just kind of brings me back to that conversation of, you know, I think that we need to take more ownership of it. I think it should be both. Yeah, I think it should be. I mean, I think, again, for me, the drum that I'll probably beat for a lifetime until I realize I'm being stupid or until something shifts is going to be that, like, we need to reinstate a value for the role of the evangelist in terms of, like, the salvific work of, like, somebody who's gifted as an evangelist, that sort of a thing. Um, But there's also the general commissioning of Christ for us all to go into the world and be his hands and feet and to be his mouthpiece and be representing. Um, But within like the Sunday morning gathering, because there's been such a lack of gumption, I think within congregations at large, including people who are like vocational ministers, we view it as, Hey, if we have a great gathering, we'll see more people saved. And I think the way that that's usually kind of come down to is oftentimes you have people in churches that have great gatherings And the reason why they're seeing more people saved is because they have created an environment that somebody now views as an easy evangelistic outlet because now all the invitation is, is, hey, come to my church. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. 
I think you'll enjoy it. And I don't think it's necessarily bad. Um, mm. I think we're seeing the fallout of that model in a lot of ways because people aren't tied to the Jesus that works and saves and is mighty beyond the flaws of people, but they have been saved by a Jesus that was supposed to be embodied within this church's shell of itself, right? And so I don't think it's bad. Um, I think that we've, though, like you were saying, we have kind of stripped away the accountability structure that is meant to be for the church. Like, I, I don't think it's unfair. I don't think it's unfair to look at a Christian and ask them the hard question of like, hey, in the last five years, have you shared your faith with somebody? Okay, you've done them five. Have you done it the last year? And like get somebody to have to really wrestle with that and look and say, maybe there's more to this. And it's not to feel guilty, but it's just to realize you play a part. And that part can be really important. Yeah, and I think that's just um, that's just a level of accountability that there should be between totally. Christians. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. So I think with that, this is probably a good spot for us to maybe to maybe finish this conversation, but also maybe pause it, maybe to be able to kind of yeah. figure out some good follow up ones. You know, to kind of sum up within sharing our faith, there's obviously the passive role that we were talking about earlier, that is important. You should represent Christ in all you do. And should uh, always be present. Yes, it should always be present. Do not just take off the, uh, don't just take off the Jesus fish from your car because you want to flip people off, but have it there and don't flip them off at the same time. Um, you know, passively represent Christ, but also find those ways that you can actively represent Jesus, whether that is in small steps like wearing faith-based things that make conversation be struck up and things like that, whether that is through praying for people within your daily life and whether that is sharing your story, which ultimately should be a goal we can arrive upon of being able to share of the goodness of Jesus and what he's done in our lives. But with that being said, you guys, we really appreciate you checking out these conversations. We appreciate you checking out this podcast. Um, obviously, based off the name, we just have a conviction that these conversations matter. As you notice, we're not landing on definitive stuff necessarily. We're just talking and processing. We hope this is helping you guys to have some time to think. Uh, and also we would love for you to be a part of the conversation from time to time. So if you want to DM us on Instagram, uh, we would love to be able to engage in some conversation there. Maybe it's going to spur on some different episodes and stuff. Also, if you're listening on Apple podcasts, rate and review it. If you're listening on Spotify, share it with a friend. It would mean the world to us. We'd really appreciate it. We hope it's beneficial. Maybe sharing this podcast is a way you can go about sharing your faith. So with that being said, my name's Caleb. And my name's Parker. And we really appreciate you checking this out. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.